Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello everyone and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi and I am your host and we have a big show. I'm really excited about today's show. First of all, it's just going to be, the beginning of the show is just going to be the normal blah 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 show. But after that part of the show is over where I read you the news, we're going to have an interview with Daisha Ferris who was at Nikola World this week and she's going to go over all of the cool things that Nikola announced. I was there too on the second day. Unfortunately, I was not invited to the press day. I asked, but I was not invited. But that's okay. That's okay. I don't feel bad about it. kind of feel bad about it. But uh, I think Nicola's doing some really cool things. I'm looking forward to chatting about it. The thing that I like this week is charity and generosity. So as many of you know, Ian won the Tesla Supercharger phone charger. I sent him an email. I said, hey, you won. Congratulations. Ian sent back. He's like, that's great. It made my week. But I would like you to, if you don't mind, donate that money to the Red Cross instead. And I happily did that. Because A, uh, the Red Cross is a great organization. And B, that was just a really generous thing for Ian to do. He didn't have to. And it was very kind. And I like to support those kind of uh, kind acts. So uh, thank you very much, Ian. That was that was very sweet. I want to welcome John, our newest patron at the $3 level. So I don't, there's nothing that the $3 level offers you that the $1 level doesn't offer you. I haven't really come up with a really good system for rewards. So if you guys have a thought as to what to give for a $3 reward, I'm all in because uh, I really don't know what to do. But I notified John and say, hey, look, uh, you really don't get anything extra. What do you want? And he just said, nope, just keep making the show. And it was really kind of him. I've had several interactions with him over email and they always leave me thinking. Like he always leaves me with something to chew on, and which makes the show better, which makes me better. So I appreciate that. And John, welcome to the Patreon. And uh, if you want to join John, you can go to supportkilowatt.com or patreon.com forward slash kilowatt. I also have some publicly available posts up there if you want to take a peek and you don't want to donate, that's fine. Just go take a peek. I got some stuff up there. Okay, the video section. First up, I'm not sure if how many know what an extrication is when firefighters extricate the car, but basically they take the big tools, some people call them the jaws of life, and they cut the car open. And they that we do that so that we can allow people to escape. Like if there's nobody trapped in the car, there's usually no reason for us to be cutting and spreading and and breaking the car. But if there's somebody trapped in the car, we use our tools to get the people out. There is a video showing a Model 3 extrication, and I highly suggest taking a peek at it because it's really interesting if you're into that kind of thing. Next, Clean Technica's new YouTube channel. They have a Fremont factory tour. It's a part one of three. So, and I think it's only, it's only about seven minutes long. It's not very long. And finally, uh, Nova, which is a PBS show or a public broadcasting show here in the US, they have a kind of a documentary series, uh, which is called Nova, but they did one on search for the super battery. And this video goes into a lot of really good detail and depth, but still keeps it simple for normal people to understand on battery technology. 
It's hosted by David Pogue. I highly suggest taking a look at it. And if you don't know who David Pogue is, he's kind of a goofball, but he's a really smart dude. Okay, let's get started with the news. First story from Fred Lambert at Electric. Canada has a new $5,000 incentive for EVs. There's a couple of caveats, and it's a little confusing, so I'm going to do my best to describe it. If a vehicle has fewer than six seats, then you only qualify for the incentive if it costs less than $45,000, which puts the Model 3 out in Canada. Now, if a vehicle has seven or more seats, then the price up, the upper price limit is $55,000, which puts the Model, S, uh, Model X out in Canada as well. So basically, with this incentive, Tesla need not apply. I'll be interested to see whether or not Tesla lowers the price of their EVs in Canada a little bit because I think it's the the base models of when it's all said and done just like 2000 Canadian dollars more than it should be somewhere around there but yeah that's a bummer it seems like it was specifically designed so that Tesla's could not uh, take advantage of this but who knows uh, that's just a conspiracy theory that I'm throwing out there inside EVs has our next story Tom Mullaney Maloney Tom Maloney, there we go. Dr. Karsten Bretfield was, uh, he was involved in bringing the BMW i8 to market, which I have to say, there's a couple of BMW i8s in the area that I live, and holy smokes, that's a beautiful car. Anyway, he left BMW and went on to co-found Byton with some other BMW folks. Initially, Breitfeld was the CEO of Byton, at some point, he, they kind of transitioned him out of that position, whether that was a friendly transition or not, I don't know. And then he became the chairman of Byton. But anyway, that's all for, for not because he has left. He is moving on yet again to a vehicle startup, EV startup, Iconic Motors, which is another Chinese company. And uh, a lot of people are saying, is this, is this bad for Byton? And I don't think so. They have a pretty impressive team over there. And one person leaving, I don't necessarily think that's bad for the company. But maybe it's just that Breitfeld wasn't a really good fit. Or maybe that he wanted to do things that the other folks in Byton didn't want to do. So I wouldn't read too much into it, but kind of interesting news. Here's another Fred Lambert story from Electric. While Tesla is still trying to buy Maxwell Technology... Ford has joined Samsung, BMW, and Hyundai in investing in a solid-state battery company called Solid Power. Now, initially, this was all research done out of the University of Colorado Boulder, and then it was kind of spun out into Solid Power. Uh, University of Colorado Boulder has a pretty good track res record with science and techie type stuff, so I'm sure that the technology on this is solid. Ken Washington, the vice principal, the VP, vice principal. <laughs> Vice President of Research and Advanced Engineering and Chief Technology Officer at Ford said, Solid state battery technology has the potential to help us deliver electric vehicles that are even safer and more capable. Our involvement with solid power enables us to further collaborate in an important emerging technology that could truly transform the design and integration of smart electric vehicles into tomorrow's smart world. Solid Power is uh, kind of touting some of their potential benefits for their solid state technology. First, 50% uh, higher energy versus lithium ion, which can increase the module and pack level due to the simplicity. So more energy in a smaller pack. Substantially improved safety due to the elimination of flammable liquid electrolyte as used in lithium-ion, which I think is we can all agree is important. Low-cost battery pack designs through the minimization of safety features and simplified thermal management because, again, you don't have that danger of the uh, flammable liquid electrolyte and, you know, inherently the solid-state batteries are supposed to be safer. High manufacturability due to significant compatibility with automation and industry standard rollout to production. So we've, over the last three years of this podcast, heard a lot about solid state batteries. And the tech, the, everyone keeps saying the tech isn't ready for prime time, isn't ready for prime time. Even if solid power fails here, it's moving the technology forward. And maybe another company will stand on their shoulders and crack the code. 
I say go for it. I think it's great that they're investing in these companies to kind of push that forward to make electric vehicles safer. Our next story comes from Phil Deziki at Electric. The U.S. government is looking to develop an EV supply chain. So it's not to have parts on hand. It's to actually build the parts. They're going to mine the natural resources, and they're going to take those raw materials and turn those into EV parts and parts, you know, minerals for the batteries and all that good stuff. Sometime in May, officials and automakers and a bunch of other people in the government are going to meet and see how feasible this is. Senator from the state that I was born and raised in, Lisa Murkowski, I was born in Alaska, tweeted, Breaking our foreign mineral dependence is critical to the future of manufacturing in America while we seek to ensure reasonable access for responsible mining and reform our permitting process we cannot forget opportunities to develop technologies to extract minerals from coal. So it seems like maybe they should have thought about this sooner. I don't think the U.S. has a huge supply of like lithium deposits, but I could be wrong. I know that we do have some. It just kind of seems it seems like they're on the right path. We'll see what have come this. We'll see what comes out of it. You know, I have my misgivings on this, but I don't really want to sound like a negative Ned today. So I'm gonna move on. Green Car Reports, Eric C. Everts. Tesla is opening up a battery recycling facility in Sparks, Nevada, right next to their Gigafactory. Tesla will extract and reuse lithium, cobalt, aluminum, and steel in new batteries. So that is amazing. Tesla says this will save money and lower pollution over time. So yeah, I'm looking forward to Tesla getting that. Uh, done and anything that lowers the cost of these battery packs is is good good idea as far as I'm concerned inside EVs Mark Kane Elon gave us some information on the Model 3 and how it was designed on Twitter as he's liked to do the Model 3 drive unit and body is designed like a commercial truck and it's designed for a million mile life I really hope that that's true the battery modules are good for 1500 charging cycles and depending on the model of vehicle you've got and the battery pack inside it, that's good for 300,000 to 500,000 miles, which is 480,000 to 800,000 kilometers. You can replace modules rather than the whole battery pack, and the cost for that will be five dollars to $7,000. So it sounds like Model 3 is designed to last for sure. Our next story comes from Fred Lambert at Electric. Now, this is kind of an update because we have already talked about this last week, but now everybody's talking about it. It looks like Tesla's planning a bigger Model S and Model X refresh than we thought. Not me, because I brought this up last week. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying the refresh includes a new powertrain refresh, full powertrain refresh, 2170 batteries. Now, my personal thought is the batteries will be some kind of offshoot of the 2170 batteries. Maybe. It may be those those battery cells but i think it's going to be something a little different if it isn't if it isn't different they may use the 2170 cells but the battery pack will be designed different than the model 3 some way they're going to make that battery pack better than the model 3's battery pack uh there's rumor that the model s and model x will handle ccs charging like the ones the model 3's in europe do and that would be awesome because i think they kind of have to uh due to the the laws in europe Unfortunately, they don't have to release those cars in the United States, and I know a lot of people would like that. But yeah, there's a little update and a little validation. Tesla is delivering some of those $35,000 standard range Model 3s. Well, kind of. They're software locked. They're actually the standard Model 3 Plus, but they have all their features locked down, like you know, heated seats. You have to pay extra for that. Ultimately, I think this is good because Tesla promised a $35,000 car, and it doesn't matter if they're they're paying out of pocket. If if Tesla's losing money on this car, they, they promised a $35,000 car, and they need to deliver on that. I'm not sure how I feel about the ability for people to unlock it because it seems like those prices to unlock those features, Tesla usually puts those at a higher price after you've purchased the car. It'd be nice if Tesla said, you know what, look, we know that $35,000 is probably the upper limit for a lot of people buy the car and we'll keep the prices roughly the same for upgrades as you would have paid for, you know, if you bought the, bought the upgrades with the car. That would be really nice. I don't know if they're going to do it, but that'd be really nice. 
Okay, so the next couple stories are Fred Lambert, so we're just going to burn through these. Tesla fired nearly all the employees at a Calgary service center for being inappropriate. Now, this is a dark mark on Canada's mostly unspoiled reputation, but I think they'll get over it. No word on what the inappropriate behavior was, other than a complaint was filed by an employee and Tesla felt like it was valid. Tesla is not closing the location because it's a service center, um, but they did fire a lot of employees. I don't think it was all of them, but it was a lot of them. Here's another story about Tesla employees leaving the company. Usually I don't talk about this because there's a lot of turnover, especially in Silicon Valley. Once you, you know, once your stock options vest, then you take off and you leave with all your money and uh, go somewhere else. And you, once those stock options vest, you do it again. It's a very good way to make a healthy retirement. However, I don't know. There's been so many, there's been so much turnover, especially at the managerial level, like executive and, you know, just below that, whatever tier that's called. There's been so much turnover that I, we really can't ignore it. I was going to go through a couple, a couple of examples, but honestly, I don't know that that does the show any good. So I'm just going to say there's been a lot. It's getting very difficult to ignore. Now, having said that, some of those people that left Tesla had nothing but good things to say about the company and Elon. Now, here's a story where it didn't go so well. It's by Bloomberg. Dana Hull, a senior Tesla leader, resigned from his position. Normal. Say, I'm leaving. I'm going to give you my two weeks notice. He went back to work to take care of some, you know, little odds and ends that type of thing, and say goodbye to friends. According to this article and people with a direct knowledge of the incident, Elon found the guy, began swearing, I don't know if it was a guy, swearing at the employee and telling them to leave the property immediately. The argument began to spiral out of control. Allegedly, Elon at some point made some sort of physical contact with the employee. A push, according to the employee, another employee described it as a tap or a light touch. According to the article, the employee went to grab a backpack and Elon blocked his way. Elon told him if he harmed Tesla in any way, he would nuke him. I don't know if any of this is true, so I don't, I don't want to be on the the uh, receiving end of a, uh, an angry Elon. But I'm I'm going to report this because I think that it's that's good to talk about. The argument spilled out into the parking lot. At some point, one of Elon's folks grabbed the backpack for the employee that was leaving. And then that specific employee made a complaint to HR. The Tesla board looked into this incident and they determined that there was no physical alteration, altercation, excuse me, but they didn't say anything about Elon's actual behavior. They just said there was no physical altercation. That doesn't mean necessarily that the other things, the, the dressing down and the yelling didn't exist, didn't happen. Now, we don't know how the employee responded to Elon either. So this is a very tricky kind of a thing to talk about. Uh, like I said, I think it's important to get out there because we've had other stories similar to this. Now, uh, I'm going to try and read this without messing it up. This is from Tesla's board. It is the board's responsibility to take seriously any potential issues that come with that come to our attention involving senior executives, no matter how small or how large, said the board in an email statement. In this instance, we conducted a thorough review, which proved that there was no physical altercation, a fact confirmed by multiple people who were present at the time. Again, Tesla said no physical altercation. It does not mean there wasn't some sort of screaming match going on. Okay, I'm going to break in here real quick because there was a, a brand new story that just came out that four Tesla board members that are generally known to be pretty friendly to Elon are resigning at the end of this, uh, at the end of their term, which is in 2020. We don't really know what to make of it yet, but Tesla's announcing this news on a Friday night, so there's a whole weekend before the news cycle starts up in full on Monday, which is usually when companies release what might be bad news. So. Having said that, that kind of goes along with the story that I'm trying to tell here, and I thought I would just kind of plug it in right here. All right, back to the show. We had a story about a year ago or so where Elon ridiculed and fired an employee who worked, um, he was an engineer, who worked on the robots that built the Model 3. He worked on the, the equipment that built the Model 3. So this guy's standing there. Here's how the story goes. This guy's standing there. Elon's frustrated because something's not working. 
And Elon calls over to this engineer who had never spoken to Elon, according to him, in his life. You know, seen him walking around, but never spoken to him. And Elon said, are you responsible for this? Now, according to the engineer, he wanted to make sh- he wanted to clarify what Elon was talking about. Was he talking about the software that made the, the, the robot run? Or was he talking about the actual physical robot itself? When he tried to clarify, uh, Elon began shouting at him, dressing him down, and told him to get out and don't come back. Later, that employee was fired by a manager on Musk's orders allegedly. Um, There's another story where Elon was yelling at an employee at a Tesla store in front of customers and a store manager had to kind of step in and defend the employee a little bit or just add a little bit of space. Musk later announced to other employees over a like a video chat kind of a thing, a video meeting, that that employee had been fired but Tesla had not notified that employee that they had been fired. So I don't know, kind of interesting. Tesla fired another employee who told Elon the company would only deliver 80,000 vehicles instead of 100,000 vehicles. Elon was uh, verbally abusive in this situation, according to those familiar with the the incident. Tesla said she was fired for poor performance. Now, I don't know if any of this is true or not, but if there's even a hint of truth to these stories, it's absolutely not acceptable. Nobody wants to work for a maniac. I know I don't. I don't know anybody else that does. I'm going to come up with a scenario, and it's not going to be Tesla. It's going to be some, some other company. But let's pretend that this company set ridiculous goals and then told their employees, hey, you need to meet these goals that we just set for you. Absolutely ridiculous. I think everybody in the audience can kind of relate to companies setting you know, unrealistic goals, whether you're in sales and they're like, oh, you guys made $75,000 a piece last year in sales or $75,000 a month in sales this month, you guys need to double that to 150,000. And oh, by the way, we're not going to help you out with any more tools. You guys just need to figure out how you're going to do it. And if you can't, if you get 148,000, you failed and you don't get your bonus. I'm sure everybody can relate to something similar to that. So let's pretend that this company made ridiculous goals. The executives, they're out there, they're making promises to customers. And then those promises don't end up happening or they're late, or whatever. Obviously, in the public, the executives, they're taking that, uh, they're kind of taking it on the chin. But in private, the employees are taking it on the chin. Like what we're seeing, for every person that calls out an executive, or a CEO in this case, in my pretend scenario, every single person that calls that that CEO out, eventually, that's going to come out, uh, be taken out on an employee. If you have a CEO who is prone to anger. That's going to get taken out on an employee, whether it's the employee's fault or not. Now, I'm not saying that you can't miss goals because employees you know, aren't working hard enough. You absolutely could. You could have empl- I used to work for a video game company, and I swear to God, some of these guys would come in, and gals, would come in, they would turn their computer on, they would walk down to the Starbucks, spend 30, 45 minutes at Starbucks, maybe do a little bit of work. And at lunchtime, they would play video games for an hour and a half or two hours. That video game company does not exist anymore. I was shocked that that could happen. I mean, I'm guessing four to six hours of real life work got done every single day in an eight hour day. It was amazing. And we didn't have to be to work until 10. But anyway, missing goals can definitely be caused by your employees. But it can also be, like I said before, CEOs or executives making huge promises and not giving those employees the tools to fulfill tools or authority to fulfill those promises. In the case of the Model 3, they made huge promises about delivery and production. And in reality, uh, they, they just don't have the tools to make that happen. So it didn't. And to the best of my knowledge, we still haven't hit 10,000 cars a week, which is a bummer. And I think everybody's just kind of let go of that goal for now. Yeah, it's kind of like it's one of those things. Did the employees fail the company or did the executives fail the employees? Anyway, everybody, including Elon and me, we're all prone to human emotions. And I know that Elon can be extremely generous and he can be uh, extremely like uh, caring. I mean, he's done some really nice things for people and you go back to the the Thai rescue and things like that, putting resources and money into something to 
to, to make someone's life better. So that's, that's all great. So I don't think that Elon is a monster. But however, I know what it's like to have a temper. I try my best to keep my temper in check because it never ends up in anything good. I don't know. Um, I guess my point is, is there, there's good and bad in everybody. And how those people kind of sort that out or manage that within themselves is, is really what makes you a good or a bad person. And I'm not saying Elon's a bad person. I'm not saying anybody's a bad person. I hope this stuff isn't true. I have a feeling it is, but I hope it's not. All right. So in just a few seconds, you will magically hear uh, Desha Ferris and myself, and we'll be talking about Nikola World. I'm really excited. I hope you stick around. See you in a second. Okay. So here we are. We're doing our interview, and I want to welcome Desha, because I butchered your name in the past. Um, absolutely. I'm terrible with names. And we're going to talk about Nikola World. Nikola, not Nikola. They, they really hit that Nikola real hard at the in the presentation. But um, you were there on the night of the actual event. So uh, do you want to talk about your kind of overall thoughts? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, well, Nikola, they got big plans, big dreams. Um, what I liked the most about this event, uh, a few things were... I like that they actually brought out the trucks. You know, that was kind of like the biggest criticism, I guess, in their 2016 debut was uh, those trucks weren't really working models for the one that was there. And I, I liked the heart of the company really seemed to come out, you know. Um, and I, and I, I like that he addressed the hydrogen versus the electric issue. Uh, we actually thought that there was going to be more going on as far as offering the the Nikola 2 and the tray and the battery only options, but um, not so much, <laughs> but yeah. still happy to be there. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like they really doubled down on the, this is how we're going to power it. And we're going to use, we're going to power it with hydrogen and then we're going to use the batteries to just kind of oh. keep that. Well, I guess the hydrogen would keep the batteries going. Right. Yeah. Range. Oh, yeah. Definitely a double down on the hydrogen. Yeah. They're just seem very confident in, you know, what they have planned for that technology. Um, obviously, you know, they have their fuel cell lab going and like, you know, obviously they've got a lot of discussions going on, you know, in the background on their end. So it's like, well, they seem to have all their eggs in that basket. So, you know, they must, maybe they know something we don't, you know, <laughs> you might argue. So. No, you know what I thought I was very impressed with was the team uh, that they put together because uh, everybody that they introduced seemed to have a really nice like, I don't know if this is an appropriate word, but pedigree, like they had a nice provenance of like where they came from and actually being, I don't know if they were leaders, but you know, they, they know what they're talking about in each category, whether it be power sports or semi trucks or the reckless. Right. Yeah. Like they, they made, it seemed like they were really good about building relationships because it feels like especially like the military side and the trucking side they're two industries that are really big on relationships you know it's not like you're not appealing to like a broad consumer base trying to say hey look at our car buy it you know they're, they're really like like in the trucking company it's not just a truck it's not like with consumers where it's just a car if you don't like it you can sell it like in trucking it's a it's an investment it's a big integral part of their business you know that's how they make money is how the truck performs so they i it seemed like they went into that with the right mentality. Like we need to make sure the industry, you know, we were in communication with the industry itself and uh, giving them what they need. Yeah. I was, I was actually, so I was like, who's, who's going to come to this? You know, it's in the middle of the week in Arizona. And when I showed up on the second day, I was like, Oh my gosh, there's a lot of cars in the parking lot. And then we had to wait in line to get in and just talking to all of the, there were several people that I talked to that owned trucking companies. They were there. There were um, there was a guy who owned all of the property around the plant. He oh was, yeah, yeah. He's looking to develop it commercially. I was like, okay. Um, Coolidge is kind of a an out there uh, town. You know, it's not it's not real close to anything. Oh, okay. so you're saying one of the guys from that um that that invest that's was it seed or something? I forget what the place it's called. But yeah, there's like an investment group that owns it all. Right. And then it's like inside something called like heritage. Right. It's like all this. It's like, oh, you know what? I don't know. I briefly chatted with him while we were in line. He just said he owned the property that was near like adjacent to the factory. Oh, OK. So, yeah, I think I forget. I stuck I'm stuck in my article, but I can't 
I don't know, but I remember when I was uh, reporting on their and their purchase of that property and everything, they settled the deal. I was like, it's like this uh, manufacturing like super center type property, you know, and they're really trying to get people to invest and move in there. I mean, they've got like uh, one of the railroads is already set up there and it's just, it just seems really huge and it's, it's really going for like the manufacturing market. Yes. I wonder, um, Lucid's supposed to be out there in Casa Grande. I wonder if they're on the same railway because getting raw materials in and out mm-hmm. uh, by truck is difficult, but by rail in the city that I work in, they have like, we have the railway running through town and you know, there's little offshoots everywhere where they bring in cars and then they'll do the little offshoot to the factory or the the place that whatever they're building, you know, they build like girders and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think that's really important for sure, having seen that firsthand. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like a, you know, a smart investment for their long-term strategies and plans. What, what did you think of the tray? The tray? I, I don't know much about the European trucking market, um, but I mean, it's, I guess, I mean, it was small, <laughs> you know, like it seems so quaint compared to like, you know, the giant big rigs we're used to seeing. Um, yeah, but, I kind of the same thought. I, there was more room in the cab than I thought there would be. Well, it seems like they, they you know, they're doing kind of, you know, I mean, just looking at a lot of these companies that are trying to go with the, you know, a zero emissions, you know, uh, direction, it seems because they're freed up from having, you know, the ice engines and everything and all the mechanics that go with that and they have less parts. It seems like they're really utilizing that, you know, they're taking that to their advantage and loading up all that extra space with, or, or not loading it. You know what I mean? Like giving plenty yeah. of space and a lot of whiz bang type things to make the experience a definite different type thing, you know? So Yeah. I know um, we have a, in our fire trucks, we have a really big, cab it can seat six people technically but normally there's four to five and we have a big dog house in the middle and that takes up so much of the space if you put three people in the back of the truck and they're trying to get dressed out to go to a fire it's Mm -hmm. it's like uh, you know elbows you're elbowing your neighbor you can't get in there but if you got rid of that dog house there's so much more room you don't have to make the cab so big there's so much more room available like in the the two I was amazed when we walked inside of that thing because I was like, wow, there is so much room. You can stand up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I actually did not walk inside uh, the trucks. So there was like a huge line and I had a flight to catch. So I was like, ah, I'm just going to take some pictures and <laughs> I'm sure somebody's going to post them later. But I'd, I'd seen the video from uh, their 2016 one with the, with the one. And I guess the two just doesn't have like the day cab in it, right? Oh. E- e- yes. It has, it looks like kind of like it all kind of folds out in terms of from the wall. I mean, that's what it looked like. Oh, okay. Okay. But it was, it's hard to tell, you know, you had to put the little plastic gloves on and it's not that they didn't tell you not to touch anything, but (laughs) you you kind of got the feeling not to touch anything. Yeah, right. Uh, Uh, Like nothing personal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When they handed it to us, they're just like food serving gloves, you know? Yeah. And when they handed it to us, every single person said the same thing. You're like, what am I going to do with these? Like, well, you're going to put them on. And then they try to <laughs> hand the box back to you. And you're like, no, no. <laughs> I've already done my job. Now you have to hand it to the person behind you. Oh, jeez. Uh, well, yeah, I guess, you know, I'm gonna, I think they said it was like 2,000 or 2,500 people on each day that were going to show up there. So I guess I would explain the gloves. <laughs> yeah, I, I was amazed. Yeah. Um, what? So we won't have we don't have to talk a lot about the jet ski, but I kind of thought maybe we could pull it into the NZT, the UTV that they have, net zero toll. I guess is what the NZT stands for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they bought a company in 2017, I believe, which is pretty amazing for a a young company to buy right. a, a younger company. Uh, but they bought Freeform Factory, which already had a stand-up watercraft that they were building. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much of the technology from the jet ski went into the NZT, because you're actually able to stay in a meter of water for 30 minutes without any trouble on the car whatsoever. And I'm sure there's a safety factor in that. Um, well, I mean, if not the 
direct technology, at least the know-how as far as, you know, probably water sealant and everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, the watercraft, the part that I liked the most about the actual watercraft was how they said, you know, um, you know, like with EVs, a lot of times they use this roller skate uh, platform and then here, so they're going to have like a, or a, not roller board. What is skateboard. it called? Oh, skateboard. <laughs> Sorry, roller skate. Uh, okay. Roller skate platform, roller board, whatever. And they're going to translate that concept to the, the, uh, the wave, you know, so it kind of creates like a, a model for going forward with uh, making that electric. Um, so I guess that, that was my biggest takeaway from that. Um, the whole establishing like a standard um, for how to do these things in the future. And it just, it kind of seems like with all of that, you know, off-road or just outdoor adventure type things going on, it seems to be kind of like a natural extension, you know, cause you know, people, especially people who really care about, um, the environmental impact from emissions are, you know, they're a lot of them, you know, they're outdoor enthusiasts too, and they, they really care about all that. So it kind of seems, you know, kind of a natural connection. I mean, you see that even with like Rivian, you know, like they're an EV company, you know, creating EV products there, but they're appealing to that outdoor crowd. So I kind of saw like a little bit of a similarity between the, the audience extension with those two companies that Nicholas has this natural extension, but also, um, I did get a chance to chit chat with Trevor. He was like on the way doing something else, but, um, Trevor Milton, the CEO, uh, whatever, and he, or whatever he is. Um, and he, uh, he, you know, he said that, you know, the big reason why, you know, they're doing all these things, cause you know, a lot of people and they're just like, why don't you just focus on the trucks? Why don't you just focus on the trucks? Just get them on the road already. Instead of doing all these, you know, your gut ski and your, your, um, UTVs and everything. And he's like, well, we just had all this tech, you know, at our fingertips here, you know, and it, it's like, well, this could be applied to this, and this could be applied to this and this, you know, it's like what we're trying to do as far as, you know, zero emissions and everything. I mean, this tech can apply to all these other things and uh, why not, you know, and the fact that they can, he just wanted to show the capability of what they were doing. And, you know, obviously it can extend into a new market. Yeah. And it doesn't, I mean, it really doesn't hurt that I also had, I had a, almost a chance to speak with him. I was three feet away, but he had to go do the demo and I didn't want to <laughs> interrupt him, uh-huh. but he was, he was talking to a group of people. who's very nice. What I found with the, all of the people at uh, the event was a, they were very kind. B, they stayed, they really stayed on message because as <laughs> much as I tried to, I would ask questions and they're like, well, that's a better question for the executives. They'll, you know, they're around. Here's, you know, so-and-so wanted to ask them. And uh, so, that, I mean, that was, that was impressive. That didn't, I went to see Lucid at the Monterey Car Show a couple of years ago. And that, that wasn't necessarily always the case with Lucid. Um, they were guarded, but they were a little bit looser with, with conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one of the things, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that Trevor seems to be an outdoorsy type person like these are the interests he has personally so you know for him to uh, say well we have all this technology let's just build this utv um, that's great unfortunately it costs eighty thousand dollars to start with <laughs> which is outside of most people's budget it's, a, it's more than a rivian yeah for a full tracker yeah. yeah well i mean i i thought that too i mean i looked at the price i was like yes <laughs> like really to start yeah. you know um but I, I don't know if i was reading in the comments or i was listening to somebody ch- you know talking to somebody i don't remember where but it seems like you know for that crowd um after you actually i think it was uh, comments in the article and you know you might start out buying something for 30 40,000 for like significant capabilities but then after you add on all this stuff um you know you could easily spend 80 grand and so maybe the thinking on that is, you know, if you just buy it out of the box, it can do all this and better, you know. Um, I guess it just depends on your crowd, you know. Like my my off my off roading type crowd that I know, you know, they buy something used for ten grand, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and I know I, I don't I don't really know him all that well, but I know a guy who I think he built his own, or maybe he got it custom, but I think all total when it was all said and done i think it was close to sixty thousand dollars yeah yeah so but this thing did they say it was supposed to be like all enclosed and or am i thinking yeah I, yeah 
and was, air conditioning and stuff. And I was like, wow, there's a crowd. That, you know. I wasn't clear on that. Does, is yeah. the model, because we took the demo, right? Did you take the demo, right? Nope. No, I did oh. not. I just I came for the truck, saw the truck. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you had a really busy week. But um, on, in the demo, right, it, had, it was all open, kind of like a razor. And mm -hmm. it was so much fun. I wanted to, to get back in line and do it again. But there were so many people, I didn't want to take somebody else's turn. But um, <laughs> the... I wasn't clear if the base model was the one that we were riding in for the demos. And then you have to pay more for the fully enclosed experience with the AC and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, good point. Well, maybe it's like a Jeep, you know, and, uh, oh. and you can get like hard top, soft top. Kind of yeah. Deal. Yeah. That's a good. And then um, the two in terms of just the demo itself, um, mm -hmm. I was I was very very pleased at the turning radius of this truck, but I was also really pleased at how quiet it was. Like I was amazed at how quiet this truck was and how smooth it was. Mm -hmm. All you could hear was the tires. Yeah. Yeah, it was I, it was like a ghost. Yeah, it was everything I'd hoped it would be. You know, as far as that kind of thing, the guys behind me were kind of like, "Come on, man, we want to see the zero to 60, You know, we're still left like going to drive in some circles here. But I mean, the point was to show right that it. It was real. It was working. And they had two of them, you know, um, one of them also, you know, the, with the Budweiser uh, part yeah. back there. So that was cold, you know, just kind of since Budweiser, they've ordered like what, 800 trucks from them um, and they're a partner of theirs. And they were important enough to bring the Clydesdales out. I can't imagine that's a yeah. trip to Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. That's got some serious clout there. Obviously, it's a serious partnership. And that was probably the point of including them. Yeah, I, I thought, and and um, we'll get to the reckless real quick. But I thought that the the partnerships with Ryder, which is going to do all their service, the all of the um, all the folks there that were um, vendors, they had something to do with the company. It wasn't just like they they sold spots and they're like, well, whatever. It seemed like when I was talking to them, everybody had something to do in the process, and it was. Whereas you see a, a company like Tesla where they bring all of that stuff in-house or as much as they humanly possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, like you had said, the the partnerships and the, now granted, nobody's going to really tell me what they think, but the partnerships <laughs> and the enthusiasm by all of the partners involved was it actually, uh, it surprised me just because I've been to other events where not everybody's, like every, they're more forthright in how they feel <laughs> and- here, I got nothing but positive feedback in terms of, you know, where they're looking at going in the future. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I have I had like two thoughts on that. Um, first of all, you know, they're, you know, they've got their money and their reputation, their name invested in this. So, you know, back to they must see something, you know, on their end that isn't necessarily made public. I mean, obviously, there's a debate about, you know, whether hydrogen is or battery is the way to go on that. But obviously these people in the industry who are on board with Nikola, you know, like they, they see in, enough of a bright future to where they're going to put all that at stake. You know, I mean, everybody makes investments. I mean, you see a lot of these startups, they get, you know, or you know, how many hundreds of millions of dollars by such and such company or whatever, but they've just, that's just investment money. You know, everybody makes investments, but whereas with Nikola, it's like, they're, they're actually like I said, involved in the process. So it's, they have something to say and, you know, it's just more than that, I think. And then the second thought I had on that was, you know, I was impressed by the fact that he had like his original team in that picture and people who started with him. And then they were all still up on, came up on the stage with him and they're still with him, you know, and uh, he's just seemed, it's just a completely different dynamic than what you see with say like the Silicon Valley startup, you know? So it's like, okay, you know, so this, this can be done. You know, there's, there were two things I've noticed. Like you have like the old school, you know, auto company where there's like a huge bureaucracy and all this kind of stuff that surrounds them. And change is really hard. Then you have like the Silicon Valley type startup mentality where it's just like, you know, you grind until you pass out, you know, and then just mm -hmm. take a quick five minute nap, get up and do it some more, you know? And so this seemed like, you know, it was kind of like a, a refreshing different take on uh, the culture and one of these zero emissions companies you know it's like okay here's one who's you, you built relationships with vendors and is you know very 
yeah, almost like a flat type management system. And maybe that was why there was such a consistency in message because everyone was more involved with the message. It wasn't so much a top-down thing, more yeah. of a we thing. So, I mean, maybe. Right. Yeah, we'll see how much, once they hit 45,000, right. that, that, that sticks right. around. But exactly. It was, uh, yeah, I agree. Did you see Sean Mitchell's post uh, on Twitter about uh, Nicola had an infographic of Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, I felt so bad and, because technically in one way, what they put down was true, but some of the comments in there was so, I was like, you, it was rough. <laughs> yeah, you know, this isn't really, for people who don't know, basically Nicola po posted this infographic showing how dirty energy comes from the grid that's charging your vehicle. And they didn't show all the other nuances, like in Idaho, a vast majority of the um, power comes from re renewable energy, whether that's um, wind, uh, hydro, or they burn wood too, which isn't great. But hmm. it's it's renewable, so it doesn't really give a good picture of the of the region that people are in, and it doesn't account for the fact that people have solar panels on their house and they're charging their cars with the batteries and the the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But all of the there was, I probably read fifty of them, and then finally I just said, you know what, I got to stop because Nicola kept coming back with the same thing. Is like this is technically true, <laughs> and yeah. people kept coming back with like the big fus, and I was like, well, I think everybody learned a lesson today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that actually we were gonna we want to cover part of that, but like I'm still gonna do like a piece on. The overall experience at the show and everything. I have got so much media stuff I want to like stick out, but um, I wanted to reach out to them just to kind of you know get their comment on it because they did say you know uh, they've asked you know their people to take it down and revise it, and I think they said that or they shouldn't have posted that or something. And it's like, well, I mean, I that's one thing, but I I just think they're I've noticed a little bit of a, a, a turning in the head to go against the headwinds and, and push back against the narrative that they're like bashing you know um battery electric and they're it's more like well they're defending hydrogen but in the in the meantime it comes across on, from the you know the pro battery side that they're bashing battery and it's it um but i yeah so i, I feel like they do need to really get back on that and say look it's not uh, it's not that we think battery is a bad thing. And I, it's another thing that I liked about the presentations that they did kind of address that, you know, it's not hydrogen versus battery because hydrogen really works for our industry on this side. Um, and they're also going to offer those two trucks um, in the battery version as well to kind of just say, we are not, you know, we're not going to sell you lies and, and, and scary things about um, battery side you know, because we're invested in hydrogen, you know, it's like we're a neutral party on this. This is about zero emissions. This is about getting everybody on board in that direction. And I mean, granted, there may have been some missteps that created that reputation that they were bashing battery, mm -hmm. you know, uh, may have. I mean, suing Tesla probably was not helpful. Yeah, <laughs> CEO slap fights are never, never yeah. positive for everybody involved. Right. But I mean, it's, it's competition. I mean, it's, you know, it's different companies. It's, that's capitalism and stuff. So they're gonna they're gonna have critique and you know, like Tesla especially kinda has a big cult around it as well. So anything that is gonna come across, you know, and obviously Elon doesn't like fuel cell. So they no. have that going against them. So it's like <laughs> yeah, the graphic was you know I don't know, like I guess I don't I don't think much of those because I'd seen it already. And it's like I, I don't my impression, you know, like I know around where I live, like we do have like a nuclear uh, center somewhere and, but we don't really have a lot of other things, you know? So it's like, my impression is a lot, a lot of this energy is coming from, you know, coal plants or whatever. And I, and, you know, five years ago, if you would ask me about what I thought about electric cars, that was my impression. I was like, well, this is so stupid. It's like, you're just plugging into a wall where you think that electricity comes from, you know? <laughs> and then like yeah. and then the actual batteries, you know, the, the mining and everything that's involved with that and the transportation. So, I mean, obviously there's a lot, um, a lot of improvement that still needs to be made, you know, when it comes to any sort of uh, transportation issues, you know, if you want to go emissions free, you can, I mean, first is emissions free, get the car to stop, you know, adding to that problem. And then you got to address your network, you know, um, 
and then you got to address the rest of it, you know, manufacturing process. So, yeah, yeah, it could it could be it could be argued that even a dirty EV is still cleaner than a, 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 a the cleanest ICE vehicle. I mean, argued, right? Because um, I'm sure people can figure out a way to to prove me wrong easily. But, uh, <laughs> you I mean, always have to put that every time you make a statement, like if eh, possibly maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Like I, I, I have, I, I'm really happy with the group of folks that, that listen to this podcast because they, they do hold me accountable. Sometimes it's a little rough. Yeah. With you. you probably <laughs> experienced that in the comments. Oh yeah. But on the other side, like, um, I really tightened up my editing because some, some guy wrote me and, and he was very, very nice, but I was like, oh, you know what? He, you were absolutely right. It's hard to hear, but you're absolutely right. And I think Nicola needed to hear first. I want to give, I, I assume that some interns running there their social media. And I just wanted to give them a hug. I was like, <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I still feel terrible for you having to go through this. You know, you, you probably make no decisions or it's Trevor running it who in either, in either case. Um, but some of the comments were like, well, you know, hydrogen, they use natural gas. And what I want to make clear on this podcast is Nicola doesn't, everything that they do is zero emissions from making the hydrogen I mean, obviously, you're going to have some emissions for making the truck, but um, they really try very hard to limit their their pollution for footprint as much as humanly possible, or at least they say that. Well, um, true, true, and and false, right? Like during the breakout, um, when they were talking about their hydrogen production, um, I think they said right now it's you know it's like thirty to forty percent of the production is from renewables, and the rest is from uh, fossil sources, but they're obviously they're just starting. You know this process. They've only been around for a couple of years now, so um, it's going to take time. But they're moving towards 100% renewable. So eventually, that argument will be invalid. So just in case oh. somebody wants to point out, oh well, they said, well, yeah, but the goal is, you know, it's kind of like with Tesla. If you look at their original batteries, they use you know X percentage of you know this resource that you could track back to Africa, where it's you know yeah. polluting and using slave labor, and they've been reducing, reducing, reducing until everything is from sustainable, responsible sources. So it's like it takes time, because you know if you want to demand, you have to have clout and money and resources to demand. Um, yeah, and you have to have a, a market like Tesla. Right. There, there might have been some small market for, you know, lithium and cobalt and all that stuff because of battery manufacturers for like cell phone and small is relative. <laughs> but when you're doing, you know, a gigafactory, that's going to create other companies that want part of the, you know, your money. Right. And that's going to create them. And then they're going to be more ethical. They're going to try and stand out in some way, whether it's um, altruistic or whether it's profit. Right. They're, so it takes time for that to work add up one last thing because you've been very generous with your time what what were your thoughts on uh the reckless in general because i think this is the thing that's going to make uh nicola the most amount of money to be honest with you well you and i agree there i i was really happy to hear that they actually have like a whole division essentially could i will at least give me the impression I, i don't know all the inner workings of the company but it seemed like they definitely had a military side now they had a military guy that's running it you know um there's specifically a feeling there like i think that what they've got going would be great for military but i'm also might be slightly biased because i'm i am an air force brat <laughs> my both my parents did 34 some odd years in the air force so um but i just i just think the military is always looking to innovate and everything and have you know, they want to move in that direction, you know, and towards the, the, the lower emissions and everything. I mean, it could, as a matter of national security, if nothing else. But um, I think the fact that they do have all this innovation going, um, they have all these capabilities, I think it'd be a great market for them. They could definitely make a lot of money. You know, being a military contractor is a pretty lucrative thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, just like, you know, back to tesla and everything you know like using tesla to, to to make good money and everything and then go towards spacex you know they had to they have their customers and they you know in order to get pa- cash positive you're going to have to have something that's your money maker um i just saw that, that the military side of it i i see bright things with it yeah i know a guy um who works for a company that makes seat belts for the military mm-hmm. and it is insane first it's insane how often he has to travel for seatbelts, 
(laughs) second the amount of like how nitpicky the military is which is fine because you want everybody to be safe but how nitpicky the military is in terms of like they'll fail this uh, seatbelt on just the smallest thing and they have to go back but i mean that adds cost uh, of course to all the products but um it's really lucrative for that company that does the seatbelts you know it seems like they're doing fine right and i should have said this in the beginning the reckless is uh the utility vehicle but it's like something you would find in call of duty it's got like a little platform on the back for a drone which i thought that demo was really cool the drone took off the back of a moving utility uh utv flew around and then come back came back and landed i'm sure that was supposed to be automated right the drone was automated yeah yeah it was it was following around the vehicle yeah so no no people involved and then the the truck the ut the reckless can be piloted by a person remote control or it's supposed to be autonomous at some point i can't imagine it's autonomous now right well they want to take all their trucks autonomous too so i imagine that technology will you know roll across everywhere eventually yeah that you know what and um I don't want to sound depressing, but recently I was on a call on the freeway where a semi-truck smashed into a bunch of parked cars and it was, it was awful. And, uh, if, if that technology had existed today with, you know, hope Uh there would be one more person living and about 12 people not injured and some of them injured to a point where it's probably going to affect the rest of their lives. So I'm big on that stuff, even if it's Uh not a hundred percent, um, any percentage would be better than than none because uh right i'm at 15 or so years of doing this i'm tired of going on dead people because of senseless accidents you know yeah yeah well i'm I'm the same way when it comes to i mean like with trucking especially with how long they're you know they're on the road and everything it's i remember i mean my knowledge on the industry is very limited i just know that you know as a casual news consumer when it comes to that type of thing i i it it is I was kind of, I remember there was at one point, I think it was in either Pennsylvania or federally or something where they were going to limit the amount of hours that the drivers were allowed to be on the road, you know, because they were getting exhausted and the accident rates and things like that. And I've, you know, known people who have to, you know, track the truckers, you know, their, um, you know, their, their medical needs and histories and things like that to make sure, because, you know, being on the road like that, it's like, gosh, it's just, it's just such a, it's so prone, you know, to unfortunate things, you know? So, um, I'm, I'm excited that the whole industry is really moving in that direction, both passenger and, um, trucking side. And there's a lot of companies who are really getting on board with the automated driving stuff. So even if Nikola is not going to, you know, develop that tech themselves, I mean, there's going to be plenty of partners looking for their business when they're ready for it. So for sure. For sure. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it because you, people don't know, you flew to Arizona and then you hung out for a day or two and then you flew to New York and you hung out there and then you flew home, which has got to be absolutely exhausting. <laughs> yeah, that's why if my thoughts are not particularly coherent, <laughs> that's why. So. I completely understand. But thanks so much for uh, being on the show. And um, I'm, I'm the worst person at ending a show. So, so, well thanks for having me <laughs> Let me say thank that. you <laughs> there we go we'll end on that yeah. all right okay well i'm i'm a buffoon i forgot to ask Desha what she wanted to promote so i'm going to put a link to her profile in the show notes and that'll be under friends of the show you'll see dale's information there and then Desha's information will be below that um, what else? Oh, everything that we talked about today, or as much as I possibly can, I will put in the show notes. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm pretty sure this is unscientific, but I'm in the top 10% for, uh, quality show notes. Like I put every article in there that are long and pretty much find out any bit of information that we talk about the show up there. Um, look for, check out Teslarati. Look for Deshaw's article on articles on more about Tesla World or Nikola World, and then also the New York Auto Show, and then whatever else she may be working on. And uh, big thanks to her; she did a great job. I'm giving a hat away, so it's a Tesla hat. It's black on black. Uh, all you have to do is email me, Bodie B O D I E at nine one eight digital. I'm giving away the first Friday in May, which I think is May third. 
Um, and all you have to do is send me an email. I don't sell your email. I'm not using it for anything. All I do is use it to let you know that you won. So if you're interested in that, send me an email. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you have a great week. And God willing, I'll get this out tonight, this show out tonight on Friday. And um, I'll get the next show next week on Friday as well. God willing. I don't know. Seems like I've been doing a terrible job at that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Have a great week. Have a great Easter. Have a great Passover if you celebrate those things. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you guys next week.